Free to Be show is sponsored by Replenish Me Membership. Show up powerfully. With monthly webinars, meetups, and coaching sessions, you can replenish online and relieve your stress and resolve your issues. Whether you are trying to recharge your entire staff or just seeking a community of support. Empower yourself today with the Replenish Me membership. And now for tonight's show. Good evening and welcome to the Free to Be show. I'm so excited tonight to introduce you to another amazing person from my network. Um, I met Brian about a year ago. We were in a mastermind together and um, he started this amazing thing a couple years ago after he did his TED talk called Self-Improvement Daily. And that was just for him to um, hold himself accountable for his own personal development, but it's become such a big thing that he actually has 5.5 million downloads to date. And above and beyond that, he's just a fabulous human being. And tonight, um, he's going to talk to us about how you can love for no reason. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to Brian Ford. Welcome to the show. Cordelia, it is such a pleasure to see you again. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I wanted to jump into it. And on the Free to Be show, we'd like to know what is it that you had to free yourself from to show up powerfully the way you do today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. it's a big question. I, I had to free myself from my past, but my past is not the same kind of past that you would expect someone would need to be freed from. So my past involves a lot of materialism and entitlement and affluence. And it's something that um, I kind of grew up in and I didn't realize how influential that was in my life um, when I was in it. So, you know, growing up kind of comfortable in high school, um, you know, I didn't really experience many major difficulties in my life. And the great part about that was I lived such a great childhood and I was comfortable and I was happy and I was inspired and, and challenged in my own ways but I wasn't challenged in the conventional ways and I didn't recognize the challenges that other people were facing. So I kind of lived in my own little bubble, just thinking the world was a certain way. You know, I, I got a Mercedes, so granted a 2001 Mercedes, but I got a Mercedes when I turned 16 years old. And, and it was one of the you know, worst cars in the parking lot at the high school, you know? So like I was living kind of what I thought was a modest life, but then I went to college and I realized very quickly that my upbringing was different than a lot of the other people that I was now affiliating myself with. You know, particularly one of my best friends, his name is Chris. He came from a high school where he was one of four people to go on to a four-year college. And he actually had to take extra classes in order to be college eligible because that high school was so focused on him just graduating high school, not even preparing for a college education. And I came from a place where it was expected I went to college, you know, so that's, that was just a really big eye-opening moment for me. And when I kind of stepped into that, I realized like, oh, wow, these expectations I have for my standard of living and the general well-being of others, that needs to shift. 
And, and I had to do a lot of work to kind of reject some of the expectations and, and zones of comfort that I had grown accustomed to based on my upbringing and reject that so that I can embrace and include other people that didn't necessarily have the same amount of, of comfort and opportunity and privilege as I did. So that's, that's something that is a dynamic process for me. And, you know, I lean into service and um, being self-aware of that and, you know, using that as a pillar from which I can serve. Um, but, but it's a, it's a very dynamic process that I'm continuing to learn about for myself, as well as teach to other people I come across that come from a, a similar place. So powerful, Brian. See, this is what I love about you because um, I'm, I'm guessing like the average kid your age from your high school probably was totally not having the same thought process. <laughs> it's like, who cares? Whatever, man, right? And mm -hmm. the other great thing about what you said is, you know, with all the, I guess, interesting things, if you want to use that word, that have come up in 2020 with race relations in America, you know, we really have a choice to decide whether we're going to perpetuate the status quo or if we're going to be part of what it looks like to change that dynamic. And it's mm -hmm. so nice to hear from your generation about that. I've talked to some, um, I've talked to like white men from around the world actually, and they have shifted their perspective after almost like a lifetime of just, you know, marching to that drum. And yeah, of course, everybody gets a Mercedes at 16. Gosh, mine is so old, you know? Um, <laughs> so, but what, I really want to understand like within your heart, like what mm -hmm. about Chris spoke to you so much? Yeah, no, I've, I've thought about this and, um, it, and it's, it's very personal. And yeah, I, I think, I think what it comes down to, and, you know, Chris is one example of that. My grandfather is another example of that. He's deceased when, or he passed away when I was 10 years old. Um, but something that, I learned from both of them that when I kind of became introspective and put myself in their shoes, you know, I actually have insecurities about how I would be able to um, provide for myself if I were to encounter those really threatening situations. You know, Chris growing up in basically a ghetto, um, you know, kind of like not a really nice place to live where he's fearing for his safety. And, you know, at school, he doesn't necessarily feel safe. Like that's a really tough environment. I don't know how I would do in that place. And similarly, my grandpa, he grew up in the projects in Brooklyn and managed to get out and get a full ride scholarship to Harvard and make the life for himself and kind of really uproot this systemic cycle that his family was in, you know, because his family immigrated from Russia. So, you know, those two examples just made me really think about who am I and how would I react if I was presented something like that and needed to respond in order to keep myself alive and, and needed to respond in order to um, really provide for myself in a fundamental way. And, and I think when I'm being honest with myself, you know, I recognize that that is one of my greatest fears, but with fear comes the potential to overcome it in growth. So it's something that I'm intentional about is um, not necessarily putting myself in those dire situations and simulating that environment but understanding that there are different applications of that same thought in the different challenges that I encounter. So really being disciplined about the things that I say I'm gonna do, knowing that that drives results and being gritty and resilient in the face of those minor adversities. It's something that I take really personally and I, I really take to heart because for me, it's a statement that I'm making out of respect for those 
who have to do it on a day-to-day basis. So a lot of my understanding of, you know, the, the self-awareness I have around my privilege and the opportunity that I inherited, um, it, it comes out of recognition that it in fact was privilege and that it could have been very different. So I'm grateful for that kind of that starting platform from which I was able to grow rather than having to really fight in that fearful space from the ground up. So that's, that's kind of what's in my core motivation is to do not only my grandfather proud and all of the sacrifices he made for my family, but also to recognize the hard work that people are putting in that doesn't necessarily get the acknowledgement it deserves because it's not noteworthy, but just like to know that I honor and respect them because, um, because life is hard, you know, life can be really hard. And, um, you know, I want people to feel supported no matter where they're at and hopefully do as much as I can to bridge the opportunity gap so that they can experience some of the benefits that I had growing up. Wow. So that's, that's really amazing that you're actually using your privilege to be an ally and allyship is something that I've been talking a lot about, um, as a way of healing, um, you know, our social problems and our racial problems. And so that's just, um, that's really dynamic that you just came to that on your own. I, I wonder if it also has something to do with the fact that you are a soccer player. Mm, I do think so. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I I grew up, that, that's a fantastic point. So, I mean, growing up playing club soccer, um, half of my team was ha- Hispanic, half of my team were white kids, just like myself, you know, and and it really was that exposure kind of at a younger age that there was a difference. I wasn't completely aware of it. Like I mentioned, it's when I got to college, when I kind of was able to look at my entire lifetime being like, wow, things are very different. And, you know, even the the club president was sponsoring a lot of the Hispanic kids because their families couldn't afford to be on the team. And, and that's something that I just took for granted being like, oh yeah, that's how things are, but not recognizing kind of like the assumption that that is built off of, which is that mm-hmm. things are inherently different for different people. You know, so I think soccer definitely was one of the, you know, one of the things that, and again, it was soccer that brought this awareness with Chris because Chris was my college teammate. And, and the fact that he was on the same playing field with a fraction of the resources as I had really made me reflect on, wow, what have I done with my privilege and my time? And it just gave me so much more respect for him for being able to meet me at that level, as well as the other people that met me at that level. So there's, yeah, there's that respect that comes from it. And I think touching on kind of that racial relations point too, you know, I think for myself, absolutely. Like I've, again, growing up in kind of that bubble, I I very quickly recognized when, you know, some of the unrest started this year and I hadn't recognized it before, but I, I recognized this year that, yes, I'm absolutely part of this problem in terms of how I have traditionally treated people of color and people that are not like myself. And it's by no fault of my own, but I think that there is a big resistance to white people, specifically white men, really embracing racial bias as a truth that we hold. And, and like, the, you know, it, I had to process it for weeks, you know, it really affected me being like, wow, am I a bad person? What does this mean about me? Like, am I a hypocrite? But, but I recognized that again, kind of with the different privilege that I associated, this was a trade-off for that privilege as I had this kind of expectation that had been cultivated in my life. Um, so now I actively try and overwrite that because I want to stand for something else. So it's, it's not necessarily that, you know, I'm a racist person, but I think we all hold racial biases, whether they're positive or negative, racial biases exist across the board. 
and just recognizing that those are a reality in our life. That's, that's, I think that's another element that ties into um, some of my realizations when it comes to my status um, and kind of my place in this world in comparison to others. Yeah, and I just want to mention that by definition that, um, you know, racism usually is um, something that is made possible by a system establishing mm. more um, resources for the majority of people and less, you know, it's like an economic uh, an, an intentional economic inequality so which is which is different from prejudice so mm. i think we i think commonly human beings like mix and match these two words like prejudice and racism so i can be prejudiced against a white person but i can't be racist against you because it's an economic situation if you lived in ghana i could be racist racist against you <laughs> you mm. understand because there are far fewer white people in ghana <laughs> for sure yeah, the way that I saw it, and maybe this relates at some level, but I saw racism as the intentional choice to act with prejudice, you know, and, and, you know, that's kind of independent of your financial argument, but that's kind of how I reasoned it was when it's a conscious behavior that you're actively trying to do that, that's racist, right? Because that's malintent. But, you know, what I recognize about myself and my kind of unconscious biases, you know, those are unconscious. I don't necessarily have control of those. And that's why, you know, I think labeling it as racist is a little extreme, but that's kind of how oh, I was oh, able to. Oh my goodness, Brian, I just want to clarify. I was just giving a definition, but me, I'm not saying oh, no. the first, the, the fact that you're questioning whether or not you're racist <laughs> means you're not a racist. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I understand I'm, that. I'm but, not saying that but... you're a racist. <laughs> I was more sharing it. Yeah. Okay. No, you're not. I was, <laughs> I was more sharing it because the topic is so difficult to approach for white people because there's yeah. such a negative association with like, Oh, you're a racist. And, and as it should be like, you should not be, <laughs> you, you should not want to be a racist. But, but I think that keeps people, you know, white males from thinking about it in general, because there's such a negative connotation with that specific piece. So deconstructing that realizing like, Hey, if it's not on purpose, then don't worry about it. But let's talk about something more constructive, which is more of the unconscious bias and, and prejudice. I think that's a great way of labeling it. And and yeah, that's that's the that was the example I was trying to make. I wasn't okay. I wasn't I wasn't responding defensively to anything that you said. I know you got too much love to attack me like that here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I you know, I guess I was also making that statement for listeners who may not be familiar sure. with me, but anyway, so yeah, so I'm glad, you know, definitions really matter. And I feel like that is part of freeing ourselves and allowing the healing is understanding the words that we're using, the vocabulary that we're using surrounding mm -hmm. very, very difficult to discuss topics. So Absolutely. in the next section, we're going to get into some really juicy stuff about what Brian's doing with his life now that he, he is a man of respect and self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Uh. Replenish me. When I say that, what comes up for you? And when's the last time that you've done that? And where do you feel that in your body? Well, this is my invitation to you to explore the four steps of my Replenish Me program where women learn how to release, restructure, refresh, and rebirth Showing up in the world being true to yourself. Only choosing words that honor your values and only allowing behaviors and people in your life 
who do the same. Connect with me by reaching out at bit.ly forward slash replenish with love and explore replenish me. And now for tonight's show. All right. And so we're back. So Brian, tell me now, what is it that you're doing with your life? And like, what projects are you working on? Um, Sure. Uh, above and beyond uh, the self-improvement daily. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's it, with quarantine and coronavirus, it's been um, in flux a little bit more uh, just in terms of my own um, responsibilities and expectations and even projects that I've taken on because I can't be bored. So <laughs> I add things to my plate. Um, yeah. So my, my full-time job, we're actually in a really exciting time right now. Um, it's called RecoverX. So it's a five-person startup, which is a medical device, rehabilitative device startup. And essentially, we've uh, we've invented completely cold, sorry, we've invented completely electric cold and heat therapy. So instead of going to a freezer and grabbing a bag of ice or a gel pack for um, you know, managing chronic pain or inflammation anytime that you use cold or heat, instead of using any kind of um, you know, alternative contraption, we have a device that's battery powered and it gets ice cold or heating pad hot in 60 seconds. So I'm the marketing, business development, customer facing everything of that business. So that's my full time. Um, you know, fortunately, I have enough flexibility to be able to balance the other things I'm excited about. You know, we've talked a little bit about self-improvement daily, which is my podcast. Um, you know, every single day, two minute tips about personal development, whether it's a mindset approach, mentality, exercise, experience, self-reflection, anything. Um, I just kind of share my different observations and people tend to enjoy it, which is awesome. And then, and then last kind of the what's really on my heart, what I feel like is the future of my career is um, this project called For Purpose. And, and basically For Purpose comes out of problems that I experienced. And, and again, you know, previously in the conversation when it comes to being a person of service and really trying to make a difference and helping others. I feel like they're similar to the other topics we've covered. There are certain expectations that are imposed on people that keep people from taking action. And within the nonprofit charity sector, you know, some of those common objections are, well, I can't possibly make a difference because, you know, what do I have to offer? It's like, that's bullshit. You know, like you absolutely have something to offer. Let's talk about that. And let's make you start believing that same thing being like, oh, well, you know, there's too many options out there. It's overwhelming. I don't know where to get started. So it's almost, an, you know, paralysis by analysis. It's like, okay, well, let's put everything in one place so that you can just take action and, and not have to worry about doing too much research. We're going to do all of the curating for you and, and make it really easy. And basically what we're trying to do is take all of the barriers, whether they're you know, psychological, social, or resource-based out of um, making a difference um, by creating a community platform that allows people to share the different things that they're doing in service of others, connect to different resources that are available, and you know, just really kind of create a more constructive conversation about what it means to make a difference in 2020. Because um, you know, even if you think about what it means to be a philanthropist, like that has a lot of those expectations about like, oh, well, how much money did you donate? It's like, no, $5 counts. Like, let's talk about how everything matters because if we all do what we have and if we all contribute what we have, then that's going to be more than enough. And that's something that I believe. And, you know, I feel like I'm uniquely in a position with a couple co-founders and some understandings and even kind of the consciousness we have about our mortality and our lifestyles right now with coronavirus that, um, that an audience 
is willing and ready to receive something like this. So I went about creating it over the last six months and um, it's something I'm really proud of and excited about. So it's, I definitely see it as kind of like my future and, and my legacy, you know, really having ambition to, you know, create a generational shift ultimately about how we identify with impact work at large. That's a, yeah, that's a quick, quick update on some of the things I got going on. Would love anyone's support on that. Wow, Brian, that is really powerful. And you know what? The, the things that I've learned, like not so much in 2020, but in 2019 about philanthropy just really sent my heart in a different direction. I, I thought that all these people were doing amazing things in the world and to find out some of the um, unethical things that were happening, you know, it's really refreshing to hear you and hear your take on it and how you're encouraging people towards doing it the way it was meant to be. <laughs> Sure. So um, I'm curious. I'm curious to know what you're referencing. What are you referencing from 2019 that you that you learned? Well, no, I I have, um, you know, I should really be careful what I say. But I've I've uh, met people who are like in certain circles, right? And um, some of the, I guess, more you know, highlighted. Uh, organizations that are supposed to be doing amazing work around the world, they are really um, actually just promoting the same paradigm, but just in a different way mm. that seems acceptable, right? So mm. um, yeah, that's code for it's unethical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's too bad. Yeah, it exists. It's out there. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, but you know, in kind of like the natural duality and contrast of life, like in those people that are corrupt or unethical or what have you, there is the alternative people that are, you know, really good intentioned and trying to serve and, and make a difference, you know? So let's, let's align with those people that are in the latter, right? But, right. Um, but yeah, anytime that you're creating something, there's going to be opposition. And especially if it's disruptive, like the way that we're trying to introduce impact through for purpose, there's going to be resistance. And, you know, that's something you just got to kind of be resilient and get through. Um, but I, I hear you. And uh, I'm hoping to make that less normal and less acceptable. I mean, the encouraging thing also is, I mean, there's so many more people like you. Um, and to your point about, you know, with the coronavirus and everything and us being aware, like very, very aware of our mortality now, I am seeing more people stepping into the philanthropic space in the mm -hmm. most ethical way because they are thinking about legacy because it's like clearly i mean like like quite possibly you may not be here by the end of the year kind of thing you know so people are right. um i feel i feel are moving more in a heart-centered direction for the better so what are some of the projects that you're working on like with it, some of the people that are uh, collaborating within for purpose Sure. Yeah. So I'm so glad you asked because this is something I'm super proud of. Um, so for purpose as a term was actually coined by an individual named Adam Braun. He is the founder of Pencils of Promise, which is a global education nonprofit. And they were really innovative or he was really innovative in the way that he introduced impact to the world. You know, it was a very much grassroots crowdfunded campaign. Let's get everyone contributing $20. Let's work on like getting people's Facebook statuses up and changing their profile pictures. Like he was the first one to like really create virality around um, impact and service. And it, it, 
it provided access to so many young people who had a desire to impact that it like really made ripples and and changed the landscape of the nonprofit sector forever. Um, so it's really inspiring how he had a vision, was able to build it out and just like really stick true to the intentions of what service is meant to be, which is everyone has something that matters. So Adam Braun um, is someone that I've been in touch with personally about this project. And, and, and I guess, you know, again, to elaborate, you know, so he coined the term for purpose. That's because with his innovative approach, he didn't want to present his organization as a nonprofit because nonprofit means it's the opposite of what everyone's trying to do, which is profit. Right. Like, why would anyone align with that? You know, again, choose, be very specific about your vocabulary. So he decided to label his organization as a for purpose organization. Let's talk mm. about the affirmative of what we're doing rather than the negative of what we're not doing. So, nice. so yeah, so he, I mean, and that's kind of part of the wave that he really started here and, you know, it's picked up steam and, you know, people like Gary Vee and Jay Shetty and, um, you know, these mega names are advisors of his, you know, he's no longer a part of, he's still the founder, but he's transitioned leadership, but they're a part of that organization because, because it feels so fitting for the future. Like it actually feels like what philanthropy is meant to be. Um, mm. So, so he's been able to cultivate a great community and kind of this sexiness and appeal and um, excitement around philanthropy that younger people respond to. So he's one of the people that's involved in this um, that I'm really proud to be getting to know. He's he's incredible. Um, and then, you know, another woman, Alexi Panos, she's in the self-help um, yeah. world. Yeah, so she's she's on board and she's being supportive. I mean, there's a number of different people, um, but but my co-founders are incredible. Just people I met through the podcasting space and it's just kind of really this, um, it, it was just really this organic process of like who's bought into this, who wants to be a part of this, who feels like their handprints belong, you know, on a founding level on this. And for the last, I think over six months, we have been meeting every single weekend for two hours on Zoom to really build this out together and co-create it, um, which is which has been really inspiring. And, and I think the last person to mention is uh, Dr. Sangeeta Sahi. So she's a spiritual teacher. She's a medical doctor from India but she's living in the UK and she has this incredible understanding of the kind of like quantum metaphysics and the way that you can inject energy into the different creations. And, and she really encouraged me before I brought on co-founders to get to the heart of what I was trying to create um, so that I could communicate it effectively and attract and align with the right people. So she, um, she has been involved in every step of the process as well. And she's incredibly impressive and established in her own right. And uh, another person that I'm honored to work alongside in creating this. Wow. So you have like a powerhouse board of directors, it looks like. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're, I mean, it's kind of like a startup, you know, the way that we're, um, the way that we're deciding to move forward with it is, you know, a for-profit organization for the very reason that we want to be disruptive. We want to we want people to think through, you know, like, why did they make that decision? It was like, okay, well, now that you asked us, let's tell you all of the reasons why we don't want to be in the nonprofit sector and how this is um, not necessarily a replacement for it, but a complement to the great work that people are doing in the nonprofit sector. Like, I, I don't want to talk down to the nonprofit sector. There is incredible stuff and it's all required and essential. But in terms of this kind of social element that we're trying to cultivate, we, you know, we think that belongs somewhere else. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to us being a startup, um, we're still figuring out like, oh, so if these people are advisors, then what does that look like in terms of equity? But like, we're not trying to make money. So then what is the equity valued at? And what's the incentive there? But okay, we'll figure it out. So yeah, it's, it's a dynamic process that any kind of startup goes through. But 
fortunately were aligned around the common mission of impact rather than profit as the intent of the organization. And we're getting really tactical and strategic about how to present our solution to the problem that we're experiencing. And uh, we're really excited to see how it goes. Yeah. And, and we all know we make more money with impact than we do with, um, you know, just wanting to do something out of the goodness of our heart. Um, so I'm wondering like structurally, so you're not like a 501c3. So if I wanted to donate, I, it's not tax deductible. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that's a great question. So the, the big trade-off was if we wanted to be a 501c3, then it would allow us to take donations, but we want to be um, more based on, it's a benefit corporation, of course, but more of a for-profit model in terms of let's provide people access to resources. We can monetize that and use it to sustain our operating budget and scale um, our operation, everything like that. So, so would um, your... it, it's going to be more of an affiliate model is basically the revenue model. Um, if you're curious, you know, we're getting this really targeted group of people that are change makers and we're encouraging them to live with more purpose and impact. But the reason people aren't doing that is because they don't know how, they don't know where to get started. So if we get all of these resources in one place and people can hand select what fits for them. So we're connecting them to their need to get more impact. Meanwhile, we're connecting them with brands that are operating, you know, socially, consciously, et cetera, so that we give them new business. So, you know, that is improving um, their revenue. And then we get to, you know, take our commission out of that, which, you know, likely a lot of it's going to be donated. And then the remaining amount is going to be reinvested into the resource because, you know, we want to continue expanding upon the impact that we can have. But we, we've identified our business model as a win-win-win in that the customer gets what they want, the brand gets what they want, and we get to, um, we get to profit from it in order to continue our mission. Wow, that's really dynamic. That's like... Wow. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I, I think that's really beautiful. It's, it's, it solves like social issues and it gives people who want to do social good, like I guess uh, social entrepreneurs would be mm -hmm. your target, right? So like a nonprofit wouldn't come to you for resources. It would be a, like, uh, like someone like me, if I wanted to give back mm -hmm. to community. Okay. Correct. This is, it's by the people for the people. Exactly. So and something that we've implemented too, you know, just kind of being really um, intentional about the model is, you know, it's, it's a show not tell model. So what we have kind of in social media fashion, but different is we have a newsfeed of all of the incredible things that people in our community are doing and we're highlighting them and putting them alongside each other, you know, big or small, it all counts and it all goes there so that anyone can go and see the other things that people are doing. And, and not only like, talking about it, but like they're what they're actually doing, right? Like these are the tangible things in the community that they've done. And in that way, like if you're trying to spread mission, you know, it's way more effective to show someone than to tell someone. So that's yes. kind of our way of providing that more effective form of communication and also building camaraderie uh, around that, um, you know, allowing people to exist in the same place and to share that space um, in order to really amplify each other and to be inspired and challenged and accountable to each other. And, and that's kind of what we're trying to do is ultimately, yes, it's a community group. So it's people who want to make a difference. Let's connect them to others who want to make a difference so that they feel more validated in their decision, as well as resources and ideas and movements and causes that helps them to take their step, um, their, their next step in their impact journey, because everyone's is unique. But that's, that's the vision. Um, and ultimately, you know, again, it like comes back to action. So everything we're talking about is like, how do we encourage people to take action? So it all funnels back to like the real things that people are doing in the community. 
And, and I mean, that's, that's the only way that you can drive change is for people to actually do something about it, not talk about it. So we're, we're trying to address it at the root level of like, this is the very simple thing that you can do, even though it's small, it's your first step. It is your, you know, it's your taking action. Then once you realize how much you enjoyed it, how much it means to you, let's figure out what your next step is and let's, let's get you there. That's, that's the vision. So it really sounds like loving for purpose, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Loving for a reason, not loving for yeah. no reason. And it's, it's great because it's like, um, the, the other thing I love about it is it encourages more collaboration and, um, but, and, and at the same time, I guess in a way like competition for a good thing, like if I can do more good than you, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, we're, we gamify it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> Really, no, meet people at their level. I think that's another interesting part of it when we're being really strategic about this is people who, um, you know, in nature, you know, as they currently exist, like what gets their attention, you know? And we don't need to be all high and mighty being like, hey, you should do this instead. And, And like, instead of trying to convert people, let's introduce this idea at the level that they're ready to receive it. And that's kind of where, again, like mentioning Alexi Panos and Adam Braun and eventually like the Gary V's and Jay Shetty's the world, like let's get them to talk about the philanthropic things that they're doing so that their audience looks up to that and because they're like, oh, wow, I want to be like that. I want to do that. And then it creates this appeal, but it meets them at the level of attention that they're willing to give it instead of them trying to think through like, oh, well, this isn't for me. It's like, oh, I want to be like that. And that I think is for me. So it really taps into how everyone is choosing to identify these days, which is you know, kind of influencer culture and looking out to be like, oh, you know, I want to be like that one day. How do I do that? And let's get those people, those influencers, those thought leaders, those, those world leaders to talk about the things that they're doing to help others in a way that's constructive so that they're not criticized for their decisions, but ultimately it informs people that follow them to do the same. And and that's kind of another way that we're introducing um, kind of like an awareness tactic of like, let's get people willing to receive this, you know, and again, talking about the actions these people are taking, not like a, Hey, you should support this cause. It's I donated this much to this cause. It's like, there's no, there's no subjectivity to it. And, and that then people can make their own, they can draw their own conclusions based on what they observe. And what I like about that too, is, um, you know, to my other point earlier, if you can see uh, what organizations people are donating to, and you can see that those organizations are actually doing the work that they say that they're doing, mm-hmm. that makes it so much easier on the heart and the mind to let go of that money, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's some, that's part of the, what we want to do with resource curation. So like part of our business model is like, kind of like the conscious brand, like getting people when they transact to actually do so in a conscious way. And that's the win, win, win that I described, but we're absolutely going to be providing resources for people that are not monetized because they're necessary for people to take their next step in an impact. And, you know, that is a nonprofit database. That's like, all right, this is the transparency of in like our, maybe like we have some kind of certification service being like, Hey, they're for purpose certified because we looked at their Like we had an expert look at their P and L and we're happy with what it looks like. So yes, we put our label on that, you know, so that helps people overcome some of the mental barriers in terms of like, Oh, is this really going to like help the cause? Like I want it to. So instead of people trying to do that research for themselves, let's do it for them. Let's make it as easy as possible so that you can just really figure out like the cause that you want to support your way of doing it, how much you have to offer and just go and take action and big or small, you're going to be celebrated for whatever it is, you know? So 
there's a bunch of different ways that we can create resources that help overcome these barriers that exist within the nonprofit sector that keep people from taking action. And yeah, and the sooner that we can empower people to overcome that, the the sooner they're going to be more confident taking action and the larger effect that and, and the larger change we're going to be able to create. And that's kind of what it's all about. So it sounds like conscious capitalism. <laughs> yep. We're in touch with them too. Absolutely. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You're making me think like you're so uh, like changing the world. Like, are we going to need governments <laughs> if we have organizations <laughs> like this? You know what I mean? Um, ever- I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't thought about that particularly. <laughs> I imagine, yes, just because again, like when it comes to behavior change, and this is more going to my self-improvement daily and personal development background, there is so much resistance and friction to any kind of behavior change because we hold our identity in the way that things are because it's comfortable. We are designed to seek comfort. Yeah. More so actually, we're, we're, we're designed to avoid discomfort. So yes. the, the very idea of discomfort means that it's not within our realm of possibility. So understanding that, then the resistance that would exist to the current governmental systems and kind of like the social hierarchies that are existing, I don't think we need to replace those. I think we need to integrate within those and we need to influence the leaders that already exist within that to slowly but surely reroute the way that things are going instead of to replace it altogether. That's something that when it comes to our relationships with nonprofits too, that we want to highlight is we don't work directly with nonprofits. We work with the people in the nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And I think that that human-centric approach is really seeing the humanity in everyone's actions, the humanity in every business, the way that humans are affected by every decision. I think that is the way that the world will change is people recognize humanity for humanity's sake. Yeah, I love it. Ooh, that is a powerful, powerful project that you've embarked on. And I am so happy that you shared it here on the Free to Be show. So um, we'll be right back with your closing golden nugget. That was so quick, right? It always surprises me like how much impactful information I can exchange in a conversation in such a small amount of time. So that just Mm -hmm. proves to me over and over again that it's all about the quality and not the quantity, right? Mm-hmm. All right, we'll be right back. What's up? It's Brian Ford here, and I just want to personally invite you to For Purpose. We're a community of leaders that are living and giving in service of others, and we are committed to making a difference. And there's no fees, no requirements, no nothing. We're literally doing this because we want to be the change we wish to see in the world. And we're doing so by connecting to resources and making impact more accessible, approachable, and easy to do than ever. Not only by connecting directly to those resources, but by finding other people that can inspire and encourage you to take action within your scope and spectrum of what you have to offer. So your first step to be a member of this is to visit the website, www.forpurpose.com. That is F-O-R purpose.com. Submit your email on the join page so that you get access to our weekly challenges, as well as you can become a contributor to our impact news feed. And I cannot wait to serve alongside you. Let's live for purpose. So we're back. And Brian, um, we've talked about a lot of things. Is there anything in particular that you want our viewers and listeners to um, hold in their heart? Yes. 
yes, there is. Um, thank you for asking. Um, I think I think kind of like the underlying concept to everything we've mentioned, whether it's service or personal development or racial bias, anything like that, what underlies all of it is self-awareness and understanding the different things that you've inherited, the different things that you've created for yourself, the different ways that you've interfaced and interacted with the environment, community, whatever. Um, just knowing that you have a unique role and it's your choice to do what you want with that unique role. So I, I encourage everyone to not necessarily be critical of their past, but to really think through what it represents, what it means, and then ideally what it looks like moving forward, because we are creating actively in the future. And, you know, if you want to stand for something, then stand for it. If you want to shout for something, then shout for it. Um, and, and that's how the world, in my opinion, will be a better place is we all become more fully expressed humans that are living our truth and our potential in our own way. Beautiful and well said. Thank you so much, Brian, for being on the Free to Be show and sharing your light with us. And um, mm -hmm. <laughs> for those of you who are listening and viewing, um, I know you've benefited from our conversation. So sharing is loving. Share this with another heart, share it with another soul and join us next time on the Free to Be show. Good night. Thank you, Cordelia. You're welcome, Brian. The Free to Be show is sponsored by Replenish Me membership. Show up powerfully with monthly webinars, meetups, and coaching sessions, you can replenish online and relieve your stress and resolve your issues. Whether you are trying to recharge your entire staff or just seeking a community of support, empower yourself today with the Replenish Me membership. And now for tonight's show.